Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Rosh Hashanah. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Take a machser, let's take a walk to a river or lake today. To a river or lake today. On Rosh Hashanah, we go to Tashlich. On Rosh Hashanah, we go to Tashlich. On Rosh Hashanah, we go to Tashlich to throw our Averos away. Let's take a machser, let's take a walk to a river or lake today. To a river or lake today. On Rosh Hashanah, we go to Tashlich. On Rosh Hashanah, we go to Tashlich. On Rosh Hashanah, we go to Tashlich to throw our Averos away. Thank <laughs> you. 
Shiribo Ochila is the name of that one. Words from the uh, High Holiday Liturgy. Friday morning, Erev Rosh Hashanah. Before that, you heard the uh, Uncle Maishi selection called Rosh Hashanah. That's the name of that medley. Um, Yoeli Klein with Rosh Hashanah Shali. Rosh Hashanah off of Welcome Back Yom Tov, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this September the 18th, day 29 in the month of Elul, the year 5780, Tufshin Pei. Not for long, the brand new year, Tufshin Pei Aleph will be here tonight. Uh, as Trucker Yitz pointed out on our app, <laughs> leave it to Trucker Yitz. 
He wishes us blessings for a great 5781, but wants us to realize that New Zealand and Australia are already in 5781, with Hong Kong and Shanghai about to accept uh, 5781. Shana Tovato all. He says, reminder, don't make an Eruv Tavshilin. That's correct. This would not be a situation where you would need one. That would only be if uh, Yom Tov was before Shabbos. In this case, Yom Tov coincides with Shabbos. Friday morning, today uh, I celebrate uh, year number 37. Today is my 37th anniversary here at JM and the AM. Started Erev Rosh Hashanah back in uh, 1983. And I take this opportunity to thank all of you, our listeners, our supporters, our enthusiastic audience who have um, really gotten us to this point to this point where JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network is an institution important in uh, in this country and really on the entire globe. So thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your uh, enthusiasm. Thank you for being out there and tuning in on a regular basis. It is much appreciated. And there have been thousands and thousands of people who have been uh, inspired by the great music, important discussions and um, and timely dialogue that we've had here over all these years. And that gives me an amazing feeling going into the brand new year. So we start year number 38 today. We start year number 38, as hard as that is to believe. 38 years. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. It's Arab Rosh Hashanah, candle lighting in New York, 639. 639 candle lighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, we say Tashlich over Rosh Hashanah. Usually, traditionally, when uh, Rosh Hashanah is on Shabbos, we wait till the second day to say Tashlich. And Tzom Gedalia will be on Monday. Monday will be a fast day. We'll be here, Bezrat Hashem, between 6 and 9 a.m. But just keep in mind that it is a fast day on Monday, the day after Rosh Hashanah. 65 degrees, 79% humidity, winds are west at 8 miles per hour. Looks like cloudy weather for today with a high of 72. Clear tonight, low 51. Tomorrow's sunshine, a high 67 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 90.1. We're at 65 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. And um, Malcolm Honline will join us. We'll do the weekly update coming up at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin, plenty more between now and 9 a.m. And, of course, amazing and incredible and inspiring uh, music all through the day to get us to the uh, start of the brand new year. Don't touch that dial, as the expression goes, because there's no need to. We are your we are your soundtrack for an era of Yom Tov. And uh, my thanks to Mark Zamek for helping us make that happen. And uh, today's broadcasting, all the way until candlelighting time, is brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, who uh, understand the importance of filling a Friday and in general an era of Yom Tov with appropriate music and real mood changing presentations. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I will tell I will say now um, that I want to thank all of the sponsors of this broadcast and those who are with us 24 hours a day, six days a week. But because today is Friday, I'm going to give special attention to our friends at Kedem.
who continue to sponsor our Friday programming to the delight of the Jewish world. Thank you very, very much. Friday morning, Erev Rosh Hashanah, JM in the AM.
Shall Moshiach, 
Yamim Noroyim Medley here at JM in the AM. The Freilich Band responsible for that one. Uh, before that, you heard Yitzchak Meir Helfgott, the great cantor with Shofar Shalmashiach. Habein Yakir Lee, that was the great cantor, Yasla Rosenblatt. Avina Malkana done by Yehuda Green. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Hashanah. It is the um, 37th anniversary of JM in the AM. I started here, Erev Rosh Hashanah, back in 1983, and I thank everybody for the 
wonderful uh, anniversary wishes. It's much appreciated. Candle lighting, 639 in New York. Monday is uh, Tzom Gedalia, the day after Yom Tov is Tzom Gedalia. Keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that uh, everybody, both in Israel and the diaspora, will be observing two days. That's how it works uh, regarding the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and again, Tzom Gedalia, the fast day, is coming up on Monday. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored Digital radio, around the world, the web, and AchimSingle.com, and the AchimSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Not sure what was going on back there at Golly, Weekly update coming up at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us. Coming up in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Harry Rothenberg is a few minutes from now. And uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, in the 8 o'clock hour and plenty more on this Erev Rosh Hashanah. Wishing everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet New Year. Shana Tova Umetuka. It should be a year of uh, happiness, health, and the peace. And one where uh, all of our families enjoy Tremendous smachot, wonderful occasions all through the year 5781. Never in my lifetime has uh, a generation wanted to put this year 5780, in this case, behind us. <laughs> it is time to put this year behind us and start the brand new year with an amazing start, please God. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Rosh Hashanah's next at JMM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בשעה זו נכנס לתוקף הסגר השני על ישראל. אלפי שוטרים ולוחמי משמר הגבול פרוסים כעת ברחבי הארץ במטרה לאכוף את שורת המגבלות שהטילה הממשלה תוך התמקדות בפיזור התקהלויות. מחסומים הוצבו בכניסות לערים וכן במוקדים מסוימים בתוכן. כמו כן, הממשלה אישרה את הרחבת מגבלת התנועה מהבית לקילומטר במקום 500 מטרים. גובה הקנס יוטל על מי שיפר את ההנחיה או יימצא בבית שאינו מקום מגוריו, יעמוד על 500 שקלים. ומוקדם יותר היום קיים שר הביטחון גנץ הערכת מצב לקראת כניסת הסגר לתוקף בהשתתפות מפקד פיקוד העורף. גנץ אישר את תוכניות הפיקוד ועודכן על הפינוי המואץ למלוניות בתקופת החגים ולקראת החזרה הצפויה מאומן. לוחמי צה"ל עצרו לפני שעה קלה שלושה חשודים שניסו לחצות את גדר המערכת מצפון רצועת עזה לשטח ישראל. החשודים נתפסו ללא נשק והם מתוחקרים. כתבנו יובל שגב מזכיר כי מדובר במקרה החדירה השני השבוע. כהונתה של דינה זילבר, המשנה ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה, תוארך בשלושה חודשים. זילבר תמשיך בתפקיד בשלושת החודשים הקרובים לבקשת שר המשפטים אבי ניסנקורן והיועץ המשפטי לממשלה אביחי מנדלבליט. זו ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו יובל הראל. ומזג האוויר היום יוסיף להיות חם ויבש מהרגיל, עומס חום כבד עד קיצוני יורגש ברוב אזורי הארץ. ולסיום, ברכת שנה טובה. 
מאבו דאבי. שרת התרבות והנוער של איחוד האמירויות נורה אלקאבי פרסמה היום ברכה לרגל השנה החדשה. בחשבון הטוויטר שלה כתבה קאבי בערבית וגם בעברית. אני מאחלת מכל הלב לכל היהודים שנה טובה ומבורכת, שלום, שמחה ובריאות. שנה טובה ומוצלחת גם לכם, אזרחי האמירויות, ולכל מאזיני גלי צה"ל, אלה החדשות. Yeah, Shana Tova Omitsuka to all listeners in the UAE, and of course, all listeners around the world. <laughs> Interesting, I'll tell you. Um, Harry Rothenberg has a beautiful message, no doubt, regarding the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Here he is on a Friday, Erev Yom Tov at JM in the AM. Imagine if last year, just before the high holidays, God had sent a messenger to you, maybe an angel, maybe... Elijah the prophet, Eliyahu Hanavi, to tell you about his plan to introduce a pandemic into the world in the upcoming year. Wouldn't your prayers have been different during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Now you may say, I'm not sure. I take Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur very seriously on Rosh Hashanah. I crown God the king. And on Yom Kippur, I pray for another year of life for me and my family members. You can never take that for granted. And you might think, what's the difference if someone's supposed to pass away, whether they pass away in a fire or through a plague? And the answer is, there's an enormous difference. As tragic as it is, God forbid one person or a few people dying in a fire. How can you compare that to hundreds of thousands or millions of people dying in a plague? So at a minimum, your prayers would have been directed further outward on behalf of your city, your state, your country, and the rest of humanity. This year, when God put on his corona, his crown, stepped out of his throne room and introduced his presence to the world like he had never done before in our lifetimes, he certainly got our attention. And in doing so, he closed down our houses of study and our houses of prayer. Maybe he was telling us that he wasn't happy with what was going on there. But how could that be? Our prayers are so sincere and our study is so intense and now stunningly at least in israel we're faced with another lockdown on the eve of rosh hashanah maybe god's saying you didn't get the message i'm not happy i want something different what could that message be perhaps although we never know what god's thinking but perhaps he's suggesting to us if your prayers are exclusively or almost exclusively about you and your family, then why do you need to say them in a synagogue, in a shul? Just stay home and pray there. If you're gonna be in a shul, in a temple, in a synagogue with other people, then why aren't you keeping each other in mind? Not just your close friends, but the new members in the synagogue and the guests there. Maybe that was our failing being too narrow-minded and not praying for our friends and acquaintances and the colleagues and neighborhoods and communities and cities and states and countries and Israel and the rest of humanity, all of them God's creatures. Back when the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, stood each day of the holiday of Sukkot, they used to bring sacrifices on behalf of every one of the nations in the world. In fact, the sages tell us that if our non-Jewish enemies knew what was going on in the temple 
and the amount of protection they were getting through those sacrifices, they would have surrounded it to protect it rather than to destroy it. And so this Rosh Hashanah, let's consider widening our circle of influence, widening the span of our requests to God and keeping in mind, not just ourselves and our friends, but everybody in synagogue and everybody in all the other synagogues in our town and all the other synagogues across the world and our fellow Jews who aren't in synagogue. You're lucky if you know how to pray and know what the prayers mean and know why it's so important to pray during the high holidays. You have many, many fellow Jews that aren't so fortunate, who aren't praying, and who have no one to pray for them except for you. Keep them in mind, the rest of the Jewish people and the rest of the world, all of God's creatures. I want to wish each of you a happy and healthy sweet new year. Lashana Tova.
Everyone wants to know where I wrote this niggin. In the coziest place in the world. Where there's a fire of truth burning at all times. The only place in the world that you could plug yourself in recharge and recharge and recharge Behind the gate basement I remember it was during Ella one night seder I was learning in Silver Spring I think it was a Thursday night And I opened up the sneakers
J.M. in the A.M., words from Slichus that we say. In fact, uh, we say a lot of Slichus today on Erev Rosh Hashanah. Hanashamalach done by uh, Shlomo Kalbach. Lamancha done by Eitan Katz. Rachamana, that was Kol Achai. Friday morning, it's Erev Rosh Hashanah, 5781. That's right, the brand new year of 5781 begins tonight. We'll have a two-day holiday everywhere around the world, Shabbos and Sunday. We'll blow chauffeur on Sunday, and of course, Monday is Tzom Gedalia the Fast of Gedalia, and we will be here between 6 and 9 a.m. at JM and the a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Um, coming up, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us here in the weekly update. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Check out A&H today. Also, to remind you, if you know of someone in your family or at work who wants to explore more about our Jewish heritage, suggest partnersintorah.org or call 1-800-STUDY-42. 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. Incorporate Torah study with a partner and enrich your life. Partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org, highly recommended for this audience for both uh, mentors and students who want to spend some time during the week exploring our tradition together. JM in the AM. More coming up. Here's Chaim David.
There we go. Diaspora with Takaba Shofar Gadol. Yerd Chaim David and Takaba Shofar Gadol. The shofar will be sounding this coming Sunday on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. As uh, we are getting set for a brand new year, we're getting set for a wonderful Yom Tov, please God, starting tonight. And I know some places around the world, Yom Tov, the brand new year has already begun. But we are uh, still here on Erev Rosh Hashanah with candle lighting in New York at 639. And getting ready to celebrate a wonderful Chag. Please, God. Please, God. I started here 37 years ago today on Erev Rosh Hashanah back in 1983. Hard to believe. And I want to thank everybody who's been been recognizing that. Really, it's hard to believe, frankly. Yeah, year number 38 for Jam and AM starts today. And I want to thank those who've been donating, those who've been supporting us. Our Rosh Hashanah campaign continues. Uh, we want to make sure to be able to bring you this broadcast and this network for a long, long time. And um, those of you who have not yet given, who have not yet become part of it, you very likely want to be. And in order to do so, you just uh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Simple as that, fjbunity.org. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, is coming up at JM in the AM.
Micha Gammerman calls that the Yamim Noroyim medley. Perfect for an Arab Rosh Hashanah. I thank everybody who's commenting on the app. Yes, it was 37 years ago today, Arab Rosh Hashanah back in 1983. Doesn't that seem like a million years ago, 1983? 37 years ago today that I uh, first um, broadcast to what we now know as JM and the AM, and I thank everybody for recognizing that, and we should continue. As we start year 38, we should continue with great strength, and great accomplishment, please God, as this radio broadcast uh, continues and continues to be uh, influential worldwide. Something we're very, very proud of. Friday morning on this era of Rosh Hashanah, I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you are looking, I know there's a lot to do over Rosh Hashanah, and this year we certainly are encouraging people to spend extra time analyzing the uh, the Machser and the different uh, books about Tefillah and, and about this time of year that could really be uh, inspirational, especially if... Um, People are not able to make it to synagogue, or if synagogue will be a little bit shorter than usual. But if you do have time to read up on some of the important issues affecting Israel and the Jewish world, then spend some time today printing out some articles at jewishworldreview.com. Thousands of articles, literally, that you can find and uh, enjoy and learn from uh, from their website. Thank you to jewishworldreview.com. Check it out and enjoy. Uh, Our schedule is pretty simple. The entire world is celebrating Yom Tov for two days. We're back Monday starting at 6 a.m. on Som Gedalia, on the Fast of Gedalia, to kick off JM and the AM for the brand new year of 5781. Make sure to join us. Recommend to your friends, relatives, and associates to do the same. Hopefully their lives will be inspired as well on a daily basis. Friday morning, JM in the AM, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, happy, healthy, and sweet New Year, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, and it uh, should be a, a year where we'll have only good news and Amen wonderful to things to report. Amen to that. Boy, oh boy, would that be fantastic. It'll be you? boring. Be great. <laughs> even, <laughs> even you admit it would be boring. Huh? I know you have greetings for us from the President of the United States and many other officials who, uh, when you visited the White House on Tuesday, extended New Year's greetings to the greater Jewish world. I'm sure that you felt very welcome there in that atmosphere. I certainly did, and uh, the president said that he was really upset you have invited him on for an interview, <laughs> and that he was a regular listener when he lived in New York. But um, it, it was truly remarkable, and and the whole experience was different. You know, I've attended all of these ceremonies over the years, over the decades, and this one had a different quality because this was a piece of the people. This wasn't just a piece of governments like uh, with Sadat or Jordan, we're still there to cold pieces, they call it. Here, the excitement on the street in the UAE, and I spoke to my friends there and to people and to the ones we met, it, it's all done in the open. It, what, things aren't being clandestinely pursued as a result of the agreement, but we have delegations flying both ways. 
delegation from the UAE coming to Israel now. The, the, there were several delegations of bankers, of the business people, of the Ministry of Defense people to talk about cooperation ranging from medical uh, university presidents, uh, I think Weizmann and MBZ University, MBS University uh, signed uh, cooperation deals, but a wide range of things. And, and uh, as you know, they took the remarkable step of, of uh, ordering the, in Abu Dhabi that every hotel have kosher food designated on the room service menu and that part of every kitchen be set aside with a mashgiach, with supervision, uh, and that they, they announced the deal yesterday where Emirate Airlines and Kosher Arabia, a company that was formed at the time of, one, of a couple of years ago when I brought a big group to Israel, to, to the UAE, and we brought a mashgiach from South Africa, as we did this year, to Saudi Arabia from Israel, and it set a precedent now that, that kosher food will be available both on Emirate Airlines which will now be able to fly directly three three and a half hours to Israel from Israel to um, to the UAE, uh, but but so that you have real tachlis translation right away. The the in the UAE they changed their textbooks. They're already teaching the peace agreement in the schools. Uh, it, it it has so many broader ramifications uh, that. The the you know for Iran for instance seeing now that Israel took a long time to fly to Tehran if they needed to go now it'll take a couple of minutes if they're able to use the bases in UAE or Bahrain or elsewhere the the Palestinians have been shown that it's no longer true that time is on their side and that you saw the this famous clip of. Kerry insisting, Secretary Kerry, when he was then Secretary of State, saying there is no way there will be a deal, there's no way, nothing will happen until the Palestinian issues, no Arabs are going to make a deal, this is peace, is impossible until you do so. And he gave them a leverage, the Palestinians a leverage to be obstinate and to deny their people. They could have been beneficiaries of all of this as well. And is it, it remains an issue for them, but I think the, the fact that you now have a growing alliance at more discussions going on right. where you're forming alliances against two non-Arab Muslim powers, Turkey and, and Iran. And I think it's, it's, it, it, this could lead to much broader uh, arrangements. And, you know, Bahrain may not seem important, but they didn't sign a full treaty, as did the UAE. But we have to remember that Bahrain's population is about... 70% Muslim, uh, more than half of those are Shiites. And Iran has been very active in Iran, in Bahrain trying to overthrow the government. Uh, there's, by the way, 50 Jews who live in Bahrain and have continuously lived there. And the king has always been protective of them. And uh, I attended an event here in New York years ago when the king of Bahrain came, and he met with his former constituents, and he gave a reception for them in a hotel. And it was a, a love fest of remarkable quality. I know this is a long statement, but I think people shouldn't just look at this at the ceremony. Right. What, what's the what's the percentage? What's the percentage of Shiite in UAE? Is there any population there? There is, but it's not. But first of all, ten percent of the population are Emiratis, and those are basically Sunnis. You have people from. India, Pakistan, elsewhere, it's all foreign workers. They make up the vast majority of the population. So it's not close to the percentage in Bahrain. No, 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 no. But, well, Bahrain, it's, it's unique because Bahrain is 14 miles across a waterway from Katif in Saudi Arabia, which is where the oil is, but it's also the Shiite area of Saudi Arabia where Iran has played mischief and done 
a lot of negative things over the years, you know, trying to to incite against the government. The government's had a crackdown in the, in those areas. All right, you've told us a lot of things here. I got I got to uh, I have a whole list now based on what you just said. <laughs> I'm sorry. How just do a you, quick thought. How do you compare the mood? Seriously, you mentioned you've been to a lot of these ceremonies, and obviously you've been you've been to all of them that have taken place over the last 30, 40 years. How do, how do you how do you distinguish the mood between September the thirteenth of nineteen ninety three, when Arafat is standing there with Rabin and Clinton, and the scene this week, September the fifteenth in twenty twenty? And, and I'm not trying to just be you know the smart aleck guy who you know is is against Arafat making deals. You know, Israelis making deals with Arafat at the White House, but but you just made such an important point that that was more, I think, you would say, as you just described, a, a government piece. You know, one of hope, but a lot of trepidation among those sitting there. I mean, you you must have been sitting there half comfortable, half uncomfortable. And this week, it sounds like you were sitting there a hundred percent comfortable. I wouldn't say half uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable, period. And uh, I spoke to Mr. Rabin at the time. I said, the only reason I could stay was looking at your face because of the disgust for, for Arafat. Right. Uh, this was, those, those were pieces of governments, peace with governments, between governments. This is a piece of the people. And it's going to be translated, and it's much more solid when it's that because then the countries are committed. So if a government changes, doesn't mean it policy changes. Uh, you know, when Morsi came to power in Egypt, we could have lost everything in terms of the outcome of the agreements. Uh, they didn't move quickly to, to do it because they knew it would be very unpopular and because Egypt benefits greatly from it, including financial assistance, which was contingent on the, the agreement with uh, Israel. Uh, so th- there was that different uh, quality but when when you remember that Clinton had to force Arafat sort of right. at the last minute, right. and you could see the reluctance. The you know there wasn't the you body know, smiling a bit. Here yeah. it was just all upbeat and and positive, and because it's it's already been translated, it's it's something that is being has been implemented uh, over the last few years. In a, in a sort of backdoor way, but Israelis have been going to the UAE and to other parts of the right. Gulf, and this this and remember this is not just for the UAE. This is for all the Emirates and others will and Bahrain. Hopefully, Oman will follow. Hopefully, others, and even if it's only symbolic things or or gestures which are significant, like the overflights of Saudi Arabia, which for economic reasons has huge implications because of Israel's flights to the. Can fly over to the to the Far East and save many hours, but you know there's a shipping deal between uh, an Israeli company and uh, UAE that cuts ten hours off the shipping between the countries. Wow! And so th- th- there are a lot of ramifications. Could now it? the opening of the oil pipeline from Ashdod to Eilat, you know, that will, will be open done openly so much that will have significant economic and other impact. Could anybody else have done it? Or I mean, were Netanyahu and Trump in the right place at the right time? Like, I mean, and again, I'm not forcing you to credit Trump or to, you know, laud him 50 days before the election, but I'm curious, like, could any U.S. president have supervised this type of uh, arrangement? Well, first of all, I do praise him for what he did. Right. I, don't think, I think it's necessary. you got to have Hakar Satovan right. recognize this when somebody... And his team, and all the people who were involved—it's not just the president, and the um, and it's Ambassador Taiba from UAE, and Ambassador Dermer, and certainly Netanyahu's uh, uh, involvement, uh, uh, as well as you got to praise the UAE people. Right. So, 
first of all, that, that should, that's not a political statement. It's a fact, and we have to show, show appreciation for that. It, you're right, though. I think that it was an alignment with Iran, the threat of Iran, driving, uh, being a driving force, um, the high-tech, the fact that these countries are looking at their post-oil era, when if the you know demand for oil alternatives other things and that they want to build up their economies they want to to benefit from technology that Israel certainly is you know the startup nation so there were a lot of things that aligned to make this possible unbelievable I'll tell you um, there are there are a couple of things that people demand that I ask of you in light of this event um, was the lack of social distancing an issue at the White yes. House on Tuesday? For me, it was. I think for others, it was. I mean, I wore a mask. Many of the people did. Many of the people in the official delegations did not. Um, uh, but it is a, what it a is, much right? bigger issue was that they didn't have any food. <laughs> and, you know, to get that many people together and not have a children, that's a really unusual thing. So it shows you that the that uh, they were there for the right reason. Well, they were adhering to that rule. I assume that uh, they weren't allowed to serve food, I would guess. Well, they had drink. They had uh, you know, water bottles, or right? something. Uh, and, but, also, and also, uh, people are curious, and, and, and I, I, even I, to a degree, am curious, and I've seen this evolution over the years. Um, you know, many of, many of us know that that you know that that noticeably, identifiably Jewish and and Hasidic people have taken a a great interest in the Republican Party over the last few years. Uh, we didn't realize that 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 the Trump administration uh, Trump administration when it uh, invites leaders in the Jewish community to an event like this that. So many of them are from that background. Now I'm 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 literally just trying to get a. You know, a, a perspective on this, not in any way suggest that it should. Well, I thought they came from the UAE delegation. <laughs> now that I think about it, you're probably right. But, <laughs> but, but, but the, the uh, first of all, it isn't that there were so many, but they stand out. Right, I get that. So, uh, so it was a handful, but the fact is they were present. There always were, and there have been an increasing number of people wearing kippot, uh, uh at events. Um, in the Trump administration more than in previous administration, but it's been increasing in every uh, administration. I mean, I'm many times I was the only Yamaka at, at, at many meetings, and still it's still limited. <clears throat> and that doesn't mean that others aren't Orthodox. They may not wear Yamaka, right. or people who wear Yamaka are not necessarily Orthodox, but committed and, and want to show that the, their affinity. So. It, but it is remarkable. There's no doubt that there's greater involvement. And this time, there was really a lot of people who came from the what one would identify as the observant community. Right. Um, who were invited and were part of it. Who were invited. By, um, but, but, but remember, three parties were inviting people. Right. Understood. Um, okay. You mentioned countries. We'll do countries in a second. Let's start with those who think they're a country, and that's the PA. Uh, I, I mean, and I know that, look, the Kerry piece is really remarkable to, to watch, and you'd think that somebody who, in fact, was full of hope and had, you know, a real positive outlook on things even years ago would, would never make a drastic statement like that, or as drastic as it was. But anyway, it, it, I mean, is, are, are they going to wake up at some point? Is the leadership of the PA going to wake up at some point and realize that, that the entire world is passing them by? 
that now it's 2020, that Israel has a certain attitude to the way they deal with their neighbors, that their neighbors, Gulf states, etc., we'll get to the countries in a minute, you know, they have an attitude now toward Israel that's very different than what the PA has. I mean, they, you know, being stuck in a prior century, it may be an expression here. It might be reality for them. Are they going to wake up to this or not? That is, uh, that is a key question. It was one that obviously came up many places, but w- w- what is important is that they no longer have uh, control. When the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council, condemned them for their criticism and their attacks and their threats, uh, Iranians are, th- are threatening too, Khamenei and others, but we'll hope we'll talk about that. But in terms of the Palestinians, the people see consistently that they're left behind. They can have all the propaganda they want and condemning the the betrayal by Bahrain, by UAE, by others. Uh, but the fact is that the that the leaders have told us we're no longer going to let ourselves be held hostage to their corruption, to their obstinacy, to their 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 state. You know, all the money, billions and billions of dollars we gave them. You have nothing to show for it. It, it ended up in people's pockets. It was largely misused. Um, so the Arab League even rejected the rejectionism and the attack by them. Uh, you know, of course, we had the rockets, right. with Hamas and others. So, you know, right. that's that's to be expected, but right. it's, it seems to have stopped. Uh, you know, they refused to take the tax money from Israel that, that right. Israel collects. A lot of money. Who pays the price for that? The right. people do, because, you know, the salaries don't get paid, other things don't get taken care of. But they're refusing to take their money, which Israel's collected and ready to give to them. And it just shows you that they're, that they're, they're putting ideology, they're putting their obstinacy above the needs of the people, the legitimate uh, policies and, and interaction. Now, we had heard of Oman, Qatar, and Kuwait. And now I see that the Jerusalem Post is introducing me to countries I never heard of. Well, Sudan I heard of, but Comoros, Djibouti, <laughs> I never heard of that one. Djibouti. Mor- Mauritania, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. And then there, there's a rumor about Pakistan as well, with all the countries I just mentioned to you. Do you, do you think that all of them, and of course Saudi Arabia, that all of them are going to follow suit? No, these are possibilities. First of all, uh, Comoros are islands, they're, they're small places. Uh, there, except Sudan, obviously, is big, but it's yeah. involved in a conflict with Egypt and Ethiopia right now. And uh, their foreign minister, who came out in support of it, was sort of sacked. Um, so, again, it, it, I, I don't think that, that that should be a litmus test right now, how many more come in. We, if one alone would have been one thing. But I think the very fact that you already had a second, that you have the overflights in Saudi Arabia, you have so many other things, and others talking, African countries, you know, Malawi, Chad, others saying they're moving their embassies to Jerusalem, uh, Kosovo, whatever, uh, that have made statements right. in, in recent periods. So it's, it's a growing trend, and people are not going to want to be left behind, because they see Israel as the source of stability. And I'm hoping that what happened in the Gulf and what we've done in the Mediterranean with Greece, Cyprus, other countries, the Mediterranean initiative that we launched 10 years ago, that all of these things will connect and together with the Central Asian countries that are close to Israel. And if you look at a map, you see it's an encirclement of the bad guys in part. And uh, even they, one of them, very much would like to be part of some of these arrangements and, and had to back down. If you saw that Turkey, by the way, pulled out its ship, the one that was the research ship that was provoking in the Mediterranean against Greece and was um, and France and the EU all came down. France sent uh, warships, so did uh, Israel, so did Greece. 
um, to, to stand against it. Uh, th- th- these are all remarkable uh, developments that, you know, it's hard to dismiss any of this, but just I don't think it's a question, of, you know, of having chalkboard and just marking up the next country. I think it's a question of absorbing them one at a time, being being able to fulfill the responsibilities. I mean, Israelis are going to be flocking, and Jews will be flocking to UAE. I guarantee you it'll be the biggest Pesach designation this year or next. They already have 600 reservations for Pesach, and, and they don't even have the program announced yet. But all the hotels are, are looking at ways that they can accommodate um, Jewish tourists, business people, and I hope everybody will just behave and go and do it early way and let's build this up. It could be an amazing uh, change. And then this is a, a link to the east, to the further east. Unbelievable. Uh, just you know, by the way, that Jews traded in this area. And there, there was about a 200-year period when there were 150 Jews living on, on the island of Hormuz, the Straits of Hormuz, because this was the byway by which people from Europe to the Far East, and it was traded in diamonds and other things, and there were Jews. In fact, they found the grave in Ras al-Khaimen, which is one of the emirates, uh, a, a marker in Hebrew. A guy traveling found it, uh, and it seems that this was a Jewish businessman who died suddenly en route, and they buried him there, and they scratched a, a, a memorial for him, a marker for the grave. Unbelievable. America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Let me be philosophical for one minute. I mean, I'm sure you're sitting there at the White House. You know, when things like this happen, I start thinking about those soldiers who gave their lives in all the wars, and those pe- and, those, and those people both in Palestine, I'm talking about pre-Israel Palestine, and and in the diaspora, my father included, who worked so hard for the state. I mean, could you imagine a day like this, a day where where you are describing that the world is recognizing the most stable force in the region is the state of Israel? I, I think they they dreamt this. I don't know if they ever thought it would come to fruition, frankly. I, I'm not even sure that there. There were people who wrote about it and said the time will come when Israel could be the Switzerland of the Middle East, right. that Israel could be, but did anybody really think that they would see uh, Israel in every respect, from water reclamation, being water-independent, energy-independent things that were not even imaginable in, in the past? And and while there are still threats against it, but the fact is that it is today in, in a different situation than it was in the past and the um, you know the state the region is not stable you see the attacks in the last 48 hours uh, several attacks by against the green zone and they have the radicals the iranian-backed militia and others attacking u.s forces um, but the 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 positives and, and the stuff that's being done quietly between various countries some of which you mentioned and some others that people would think of uh, Arab countries, Muslim countries, who are trading with Israel, who are visiting Israel or exchanging visits. This, yes, it, it is not something, and we should not take it for granted. Yeah, That's unreal. part of things. It becomes a TV show, and then the next day we go back, and, but it's not. It's really unbelievable. And and by the way, you know what tonight is, and and tonight begins a holiday, an annual 
coronation and recoronation of the one above. And one of the things, one of the goals that our Torah giants discuss for centuries is the fact that the world will recognize, not just us as a Jewish people, but the world will recognize the centrality of God and the God of the Jews. And it's also, the timing is impeccable. This ceremony happening just a few days before Rosh Hashanah, uh, I'm sure that philosophical approach crossed your mind as well. Dan, what you said is very right. You know, Rosal Jakejik writes, when we talk about the, the Book of the Living, the Book of the Dead, he said it's, it's not it's it's not meaning who's going to live and who's going to die. It means that even those who have passed on are being judged. We're being judged retroactively, and we see today that all of those who invested in making things possible, not just on a political level, but personal level, with their seeing their grandchildren and their great grandchildren becoming religious, being religious, being committed, being contributing, that people get rejudged every year. And that we have to think back of the generations that we're representing and ahead of the generations yeah. that we are representing, because what we do today determines what will happen with those generations. So your thought is really rooted in the tefillot that we say tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow. Yeah. And, and for those rabbis who are being allotted some time for sermons, they can now thank me for what they're going to be saying tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but I don't know how many rabbis will get an opportunity to say a sermon this uh, <laughs> this Rosh Hashanah. Um, and you said you just said a moment ago that uh, you know it shouldn't be viewed as a TV show. For some, the material this week wasn't even worthy of television. I was appalled by the lack of coverage or the way this story was covered, the ceremony in Washington. I, I, I firmly believe that if other people were presiding at the White House, this would have been covered differently. I mean, we're talking about history. I, I think that the, uh, I think my phone, where, where after a meeting I was actually driving, <laughs> driving and, and listening to the, to the ceremony for the White House, I think my phone gave more attention to the ceremony than the three major networks did. It was appalling to see how this story was buried by the media. Exactly, and if this had been a gathering where Israel was criticized, where, oh. where you can be sure it would have been uh, front-page news, but the you know the, the there were demonstrators outside, but very minimal, and people predicted it would be all the anger, and this, you know there weren't street demonstrations against it as had been called for, except in the PA. And I say there is you look at the critics, and it tells you, but the media distortion this really undermines people's confidence in it that they see it in such a blatant way how they, they talk, brought on the talking heads, all of them, were, you know, many of them were critical, few gave credit to any of the parties. They don't like Netanyahu, they don't like Trump, they don't like this one, they don't like that one. And, and it doesn't benefit anybody, because it only, it only serves to further undermine people's confidence and people's the, the, the trustworthiness uh, of the media. But the New York Times put a front-page picture just showing the back yeah. of the three people walking out. You don't even see their faces, you don't see anything, it's a dark dismal picture. I mean, it's really quite uh, horrific. By the way, in all seriousness, because we know what happened at the end of the RNC when it was at the White House, were you able to walk the streets of Washington and get where you needed to go in safety? Were you harassed at all? We were not harassed. Um, we walked out, but we had a car picking us up right away at the place. Um, and uh, But there, were, there was small demonstration, but there wasn't the kind of harassment that Senator Rand and others experienced. Uh, all right, a couple of things. You, you mentioned something so important that we got to get back to, and that is now the distance or the time uh, that which Israel can reach Iran because of the the, the shift in. The, That's okay. Go ahead. Because of the shift in um, in air the airspace travel. 
because of the shift in airspace travel, and, and now, you know... Now he proves that this is live. <laughs> you can say that again. Uh, I, I mean, that's really significant, and I'm sure the Iranians were looking at that, not only, you know, how much they must have hated this week politically, but they probably hated this week practically as well, because Israel is now a lot closer to Iran. I said that their planes could be there in minutes. It wouldn't take long to now if they can use the, the bases, but more than that... Iran has to look at this and seeing themselves encircled, because on one side you have the UAE with capacity. The United States has Air Force bases there. The Fifth Fleet is based in Bahrain. Right. You have Israel with the long-term capacity. They've knocked on the roofs in Tehran several times, as well as on the ground when they were able to steal all these files, which is what is driving the IEA process now, the International Atomic Energy Process, and citing the places that they went to visit and saying that they have ten times the enriched uranium that that they should have. I mean, they they denounced it, and one of the ways they got back, for instance, when Charlie Hebdo, the you know the trial started this week in France uh, uh, for the uh, for, against the murderers who carried out the attacks there and at the, the kosher supermarket in Paris, right. um, that the the um, uh, Iranians then scheduled a Holocaust cartoon contest. Right. That was the way that they would revenge against that act. It just shows you how sick and how you know focused they are on on Israel and the Jews. Um, and, you know, we, we, we know that they have tried to undermine these regimes, and this goes against everything. And the people in Tehran, the people in Iran generally, will, will support, and they see that they are, they are being left behind. They're suffering very badly under COVID. The economy is in, in terrible uh, shape. And, you know, they, they, they have demonstrated they do a lot, but it's not... Um, you know, it doesn't get much attention. They had 6,000 demonstrations last year alone. But, you know, you don't see it. But, you know, the, you see the EU. Somebody showed me a statistic that the EU uh, wrote about the um, number of, uh, you know, condemnations that Israel in, engages in with in terms of housing. Yeah. It showed that in in um, the 20, in 2017, which is last year for the tour, there are records. There were 705,000 evictions in the EU, and in in the Palestinians, they they built uh, 8,700 new housing units with 108 demolitions, <laughs> and many of them were only parts of the building that were illegal and inappropriate. And um, but 80 percent of all the coverage is about Palestinian construction when it. It's 108 units, which is another because many of them are, you know, just shacks and stuff that were put up or illegal housing that was built. So you see the distortion across the board. On, on uh, it, it is really quite remarkable. And what Iran does, what Turkey does, their aggressions, their aggressive behavior. Um, now they found Qatar was supplying uh, Hezbollah with money, gold through Africa, um, and the the. You know, the rockets that fell on Israel, the 15 rockets, you know, get a, a passing reference, but only to show, you know, that there is a universal acceptance of the of the deal. Yeah, nothing surprising there. Um, all right, I have a quick list to go through, but before I get to that list, one last thing on this whole uh, deal from this week. I mean, I, I could ask you about any country, obviously, and, and their reaction to it, but I always ask you about Russia as they view these things. How would you think they viewed the ceremony this week? Well, they feel they were on the sidelines. You saw there were very few comments. It wasn't a raving uh, appreciation for it. Uh, Putin is is concerned because you know they have COVID in the country and uh, he has 
economics and other problems, but he's quietly taking advantage of all this time, and he, he's building up. He's very shrewd. I give him credit for it. Um, he, he just creates facts, and they're creating facts, whether it's in Libya, whether it's in Syria, whether it's in Crimea, wherever. You know, he pursues his interests, and, and all these other things are sideshows for him, except as it impacts his design. So he builds up his ties with Turkey and Iran, even though they all hate each other. They, they take advantage of the moment, and, uh, and I think that's what he's doing here. Where, where's COVID worse, Russia or the Ukraine? I don't know. The, I mean, I'm asking that, use. obviously, because of all the Jewish people that are now being held at the border because they can't get to Uman. Right, I, and they, and they but say, I think they're more worried about people bringing COVID right. into the country than what exists. D- don't in the you su- don't you suggest that they just go home at this point? I certainly think the people in, on the Belarus border should go home, but I don't know if they can make it back for for Yantif, But they, right. you know, you just can't travel the countries today, and especially I don't know when people don't feel welcome, you know, in the Ukraine. Um, by the way, I, just, I spoke to Chief uh, Rabbi Lazar, uh, and he told me that, that COVID was under control for a while. People had said there were a lot of cases in Moscow, and he said that it's very much under control. But the reality is the government doesn't want visitors from Israel right now, and, and the thousands of people there. The government of Ukraine does not yeah. want them to come, and we're not wanted. And because there's, you know, there are reasons. Yeah. Kind of, you have a Jewish president in Ukraine. He's not doing it out of anti-Semitic uh, in, in Uman itself. There's probably a lot. No, but uh, I just think our people would have served everybody better if they would have, well, number one, stayed away, yeah, but number yeah. two, just turned back. But who knows? I mean, I can't get into everybody's head and, <laughs> and analyze what's going on. Uh, time with our own. Yeah. One hour and 17 minutes ago, the lockdown began in Israel. It goes through Shabbos Shemini Atzeris, which is three weeks from now. Uh, What I heard, by the way, is that it's a little better than originally um, uh, proposed. Instead of the 500 meters, you get to be within a kilometer of your home. They want to stop the intercity travel. Uh, They're also making certain accommodations, not only for demonstrations, but certain accommodations for for tefillah uh, as well, for for prayer services throughout Rosh Hashanah, and I would assume Yom Kippur and Sukkot as well. So it's a little better than what we were told 48 hours ago. It's a little looser. People even can go to work, uh, and not just essential, so businesses can continue to function if it's not with full, full uh, staff. Um, people get uh, permission. Those who, let's say, work without solid, those who mm-hmm. engage in any kind of hotel workers and others uh, are given permission, but it, it, it has to be dealt with. The, the numbers continue to rise. It's over 5,300 uh, yesterday, and, it, it, and you have serious cases. You know, the hospitals are... Taking steps when a hospital converted their their um, lunchroom into into additional space, uh, and because there's concern. And by the way, I hear it from Europeans are very concerned about a second wave, which they feel will be worse. And so, for people here who think it's over, and people who think that they're immune, and people who are careless about the uh, implementation, should understand that nobody knows the rules with this. There are people who get a second time, and you can still be a carrier, and you still endanger others even if not yourself. So people really have to take this seriously. When We don't have a cure now, and we're coming into a period where flu is, is uh, present, and the combination could be very serious. People should get a flu shot if their doctor says so. But we really have to look at this in a more serious way, I think, and, and it is the weddings and other gatherings uh, that have proven to be uh, sources of it. We've unfortunately seen it just in the last weeks with some weddings that 
<clears throat> produced dozens of, of people with uh, COVID. And, and look what the Gera Rebbe did. He showed, closed down his base medrash. 30,000 people come to Davin there, but he wouldn't let him. And he, and he closed it, and he said, go and dominant smoke groups near your home. And the, you know, if, if the Rebbe sees it, others uh, have seen it, the great synagogue closed. You know, it's tragic. I'm very worried about the long-term implications. I'm worried about what the, how your kids learn. But parents should then take the extra time, make sure the kids stop, make sure that they, you know, compensate for, for what they're not getting. Uh, schools, yeshivas had to close because of, of the spread, even if, you know, it wasn't widespread. But these are really serious considerations, and uh, too many people just don't take it seriously. And by the way, folks, numbers in New Jersey over the last couple of days are up also. You don't have to go anywhere around the world. It's right well, here. Well, asking some local communities here in New York yeah. about the uptick, yeah. and they'll tell you. But, you know, it's not, I hope it's not dramatic. I, I don't want uh, – nobody wants to see anybody get sick. We paid a heavy price. They say in New York City 24,000 people died in the past year, ending in June or July, um, attributed to COVID, and even if it's less or more, you know, nobody knows exact because they yeah. don't even keep records. They're not even doing autopsies anymore. They're not doing checks on on it because they needed to, you know, facilitate the flow of the of bodies and stuff at times. So now it's it's less, and thank God in New York, it's it's um, much better than many other places. But it doesn't mean it's not coming back, and it doesn't mean it can't ravage communities. I hope people will, will take it really seriously. Um, our schedule, we should be here every Friday during holiday season, everybody. I assume with the exception of Oshana Rabba, I would assume that Friday we will uh, take off from the weekly update. Otherwise, expect us every Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern time. We should continue every single week, please God, during the year 5781. And uh, Malcolm, I take this opportunity to wish you and your family a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. Uh, well, a very good year to you. We, we finish on a high note, I hope. Yep. In one regard, That's and um, not not the COVID, it's seeing the good things that that we have experienced uh, this year. It's going to be a challenging year with the election, with the still the growth of anti-Semitism, both here and around the world. The manifestations sometimes getting worse. I just saw there's going to be a comic book about Wonder Women, and they've included Taleb and AOC, <gasps> which just shocks. And on the other hand, we see that Al Jazeera was just forced to, to register as a foreign agent, which is very good because they are uh, owned <laughs> by the government of Qatar, and, and this at least is something long sought, but the administration did it because Congress, I think, was reluctant to act on it. Uh, but, you know, every day we get the reports, the challenges, and even if kids aren't on campus, we see that there have been anti-Semitic incidents against synagogues, against cemeteries, against uh, individuals. So we have a lot to be misspelled for, a lot to pray for, a lot to be hopeful for, but a lot to, and a lot to motivate thank, us. And a lot to thank God for. Absolutely. Which is one of, the, one of the themes of tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Yontav. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. He joins us Friday mornings at the 7.40 a.m. Eastern time here at JM in the AM. Today I celebrate, and we celebrate, 37 years of JM in the AM. I got here uh, and started broadcasting what we now know as JM in the AM 37 years ago today on the era of Rosh Hashanah back in 1983. And I thank you all for your wishes, and I thank you for your support. Those of you who want to acknowledge the anniversary, the Rosh Hashanah campaign is a perfect way to do so. You can see the letter that I wrote regarding the Rosh Hashanah campaign if you go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. You also likely have an envelope in your home 
that you received from us with a little gift inside. Um, if you could get that back to us with your generous donation, that would be wonderful and a great way to celebrate 37 years. Where one of the things you can depend on every single day for a long, long, long time, until we prove otherwise, until we prove otherwise, we continue to ask for your support. Once, you know, down the road, things come to an end, okay, then 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 I can understand someone not supporting. But we have proven that we are here every day and have no plans to do anything else. So please support us and support us generously, fjbunity.org. You could send in a donation at the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. That's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. And you could even call us here in the studio if it's a donation that you only want to give via telephone, which I may not get, but if you want to do it that way, no problem. Our phone number in the studio, which is uh, uh, which is usually occupied by somebody who can help you, both, uh, both during and after the show, is 212-529-4620, 212-529-4620. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today, of course, Rabbi Uden discusses the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos. Good Erev Yom Tov, everybody. Wow. Tonight... As we know, is Shabbos and Rosh Hashanah. Just a word of introduction about Rosh Hashanah. The Chinuch, who discusses, starting with 1 through 613, in Mitzvah 311, which happens to be the Mitzvah not to work on Rosh Hashanah, says, and I quote, Nimtza, it appears, this incredible day of Rosh Hashanah, this is the day that allows the world to exist. What does that mean? The fact that Hashem has ordained that once a year, every year, man stops introspects, looks as to how they are doing in terms of their ultimate mission and purpose in life and hopefully corrects his course, makes significant changes in his life, prevents the accumulation of sin which would then cause the destruction of man, <coughs> excuse me, both communally and individually. Reflect upon that. Take a peek in Mitzvah 311. Hayom Azeh, Hu Kiyumo Shel Olam. We're going into a Yom Tov, which literally, <coughs> excuse me literally, is the foundation of the world. 
I'll try to go in order. Let's review the laws, customs of Yom Tov and one or two special machshavos regarding this special day. So tonight, when the women light candles, the bracha is for Shabbos and for Yom Tov. The custom is that women make a shechionu when they light the candles. The shechionu is for the Yom Tov. We, the men, make the shechionu at the conclusion of the Kiddush. The Kiddush is the Vayichulu for every Friday night, and you have the Mikadesh HaShabbos, Yisrael, the Yom HaZikaron. We fuse, use a Magzor, or a bencher that has the Kiddush for Yom Tov. It's not the regular Kiddush Friday night. We fuse the two. If a woman should be by herself, and she's already lit candles, and already said the Shechionu, she would not say the Shechionu again a second time in the Kiddush tonight. After Kiddush, like every Friday night, we wash Natilas Yadayim, Hamotzi over Tuchala. Salt on the table, the Minog Yisrael is that we dip the Chala in the honey, indicative that we are praying for a sweet new year. Then comes the perhaps universal custom of taking an apple with the following. We take the apple, we make a bori prior eights on the apple. And that is an exception to the rule. Every Friday night, whatever the first course is, you don't make a bracha on it. Because the hamotzi over the bread covered it. Tonight, however, we're going to make a bori prio eights because we're eating the apple not as part of the meal, but as a ceremonial part of the meal. Now, what does that mean? According to, take a look, Rashi, in Bereshis, easy to find, chapter 27, verse 27. Yaakov, at the moment, listens to his mother, who says, according to the Targum, I have prophecy telling me that you are to get the blessing, and not Esav. The Torah tells us that Yaakov approaches his father. His father smells his garments, and Rashi says that usually the garments coming from the field have a bad odor. Here, Yitzchak smelled Gan Eden. And Rashi in the next one, 27-27 in Bereshis, tells us it was as the field of apples. We use an apple, and we make a bracha, Boripriya eats, take a bite of the apple. Then dip the apple in the honey. And before you take another bite of it, we ask Hashem, please give us a good sweet year. Meaning if we have to be judged, the judgment should be sweet. And who is judged on Rosh Hashanah? Not just the living, but even the deceased. Those in Gan Eden. 
And that's one of the reasons that we take the apple on the night of Rosh Hashanah. Simna Milsa, says the Gemara, that we use various signs to support and buttress the occasion and our feelings. We coronate a king at a flowing body of water. One of the reasons that we say Tashlich on Rosh Hashanah, which hopefully we'll talk about at the end this year on the second day, not the first of Rosh Hashanah. So too, we take various foods and we either have them on the table, eat them, but the point is anybody can pray with a marzor. It's a Jew that can pray, can pray with a pomegranate because after all, what does the pomegranate have? Many, many seeds. And so we say right before we eat the pomegranate, Shinirbe Zuchuyosenu Karimon, that our merits should be as many as the pomegranate. We eat a date because Shayitamu Sonenu, that those that hate us should perish. The Tamar and Tamu. The idea is that these fruits, foods, vegetables like carrots, merin, which means increase, it shows how special we as a people are that we're able to literally uplift the physical and incorporate and use it in a spiritual fashion. Okay, moving on. I forgive me, but before you even can go home, whether you're davening at home, whether you're davening in shul, you are adding in your Shemona Esrei four additions. Zochreinu l'chaim, micha in the first three brachos, and then in the last three brachos, we add additional insertions. Uchsov and Besefer Chaim. Now listen carefully, my friend. The Gemara in Brachos Lamidalid says explicitly one is not permitted to add in the first three or last three brachos of the Shemona Esrei. So how can we do it? So Tosfo says, you as an individual can't, but for the tzibur, so we are praying not just for ourselves, we're praying for the community. And especially this year, how hard hit the Jewish community was with Corona. So say it so much slower, say it with so much more conviction. It's there. There's a plague out there. So Take your time in your Shemona Esrei. But those four additions, should you omit them starting tonight through Yom Kippur, you don't go back. But for the change of Hokel HaKodosh to Amelech HaKodosh, that is so significant, you forget it, you go back. You, your, your Shemona Esrei was incomplete. This is the time 
that we are literally coronating God. Pause for a moment, right as you say those words, HaMelech HaKadosh. Stop for literally a second or two and picture in your mind the crown, the crown that would be fitting for you to put on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What a kavod that you are honored. That's what each and every one of us are doing when we say in the Shemona Esrei, HaMelech HaKadosh. Now, we're going to go to talking about foods. Just know that the Vilna Gaon did not eat grapes on Rosh Hashanah. Grapes being one of the four candidates as to what the forbidden fruit that Adam and Chava ate from. And we don't want to remind ourselves of sin as well as many abstain from nuts on Rosh Hashanah, just to remind yourself that the gematria of egos is chait, and we want to stay away from sin, that dirty word. Okay, we're up to Shacharis. Please God, Shabbos morning. You're not saying Avinu Malkeinu. Avinu Makeno is not said on Shabbos. Avinu Makeno has many of the requests of the everyday. Parnasa, Refuah, and the rabbis on Shabbos did not want to disturb the serenity of Shabbos and reminding us of these everyday needs. The Kriyasa Torah, first day Rosh Hashanah, Mazel Tov. What's the Mazel Tov? Sarah. And Avram have a baby. That's what we read on Rosh Hashanah. Yes, the Torah tells you that Avram is 100 years old. Sora is 90 years old. Why are we reading this on Rosh Hashanah? Because it's miraculous. Why are we reading it on Rosh Hashanah? To remind ourselves that we started as a people in a miraculous way. What would have been so bad? If Abram Avinu would have been 35 and Sarah would have been 25, it wouldn't have been a Mazel Tov, of course, but we would have missed that element of miraculous. And that's what you have to remind yourself, the fact that we are here today, we're back in shul, we're back at home, wherever we are, we are davening on Rosh Hashanah, and the Jewish people is Am Yisrael Chai, that is miraculous, that is tomorrow's Kriyasa Torah. That is Vashem Pokadis Sora. Pokadis to remember the three parts of the Musaf we'll talk about soon is the second one to remember Zechronos. This is it. This is Rosh Hashanah. The second day of Rosh Hashanah is the Akedah. How significant is the Akedah? Unbelievable. In our Magzor, how does the second Bracha of this Malchios, there's Zechronos, and there is Shofros. How does the bracha of Zechronos end? So the answer is I'm turning the page, and I have two pages that are stuck together. 
and I don't want to... Ah, here we go. We say, Ki zocher olam. Hashem remembers everything. All those things that we want to put in the closet and forget about, He remembers. Here we go. Hashem, remember the Akedah. What's going on here? Watch. What's going on by the Akedah is to remember, number one, literally the sacrifice of Isaac, ready, prepared to give, even though it defied all logic. Hashem had promised him that through Yitzchak, in tomorrow's Kriya Satora, first day, what does that mean? It says explicitly, God says that there'll be a nation coming out of Yitzchak. And then on the second day, he says, kill him. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Because Avram was a prophet and went around and told everybody, Hashem does not want human sacrifice. And now what is he doing? He's doing the same thing that he told everybody not to do. Does that make sense? That's what the Akedah is. Now watch. There's a beautiful Medrash that says that when, when the Malach stops Avraham, and what does he see? The ram. So the Torah tells us that he takes the ram and offers the ram as a korban instead of Yitzchak. And the rabbis tell us that every part of that ram is used in a positive way in Jewish history. The first horn of the ram was used at Sinai. Now, what's the connection? And the answer is, what happened at Sinai? All the other nations said, wait a minute. You want us to take your Torah, God? What's written there? And Am Yisrael said, Na'aseh v'nishma. We're going to do it, and then we'll find out. Unbelievable. Where did we get this from? Ah, my friends, what's in your blood? You are descendants, thank God. We are descendants of Avram Avinu our father, and just as our father in the Akedah was ready, willing, and able to do something which did not make sense, so too Hashem says, Kindalach, I have a Torah, and we said we'll take it. That's it. That's the connection between the Akedah and Sinai. By the way, the second horn, please God, we should hear very, very soon in our day, namely, the blowing that Moshiach is here. Okay, then we go to uh, Musaf, but right before Musaf, we blow the shofar. The shofar is the one biblical mitzvah unique to Rosh Hashanah. We don't blow the shofar on Shabbos. Why not? Because we're concerned that one Jew, someplace, will take the shofar and violate the Shabbat by carrying it where there are no Erev in this community. Amazing! Do you know how important shofar is? Let me tell you. Shofar is exceedingly important. On the verse from the Lamnatseach that we say seven times. You ready? Listen to the verse. Allah Elohim Bisruah. Hashem is sitting Elohim, judgment, on the throne of judgment. Hashem bekol shofar. The shofar has the ability to take Hashem, kaveyochol, and go from the seat of judgment to the seat of mercy. 
How important is that? And the answer is, one thing supersedes that, Shabbos. My friends, how important is Shabbos? Shabbos has that capacity. Beni uvein b'nei Yisrael osi It's a permanent sign of the affection, the relationship between God and Israel. We keep his Shabbos, and he keeps us going. More than the Jew has kept the Shabbos, the Shabbos has kept the Jew. Remember that. Okay, let's talk about Shofar, which we're going to blow on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. It's the one unique mitzvah to Rosh Hashanah. We blow the Shofar first and foremost because the Torah says so. That's it. Put your hand down. Stop asking questions. Why? Don't tell me that the Art Scroll Sitter brings ten reasons of Rapsadja Gaon for blowing the shofar. You're right. There are ten reasons, if not more. But the first and foremost is, as we're going to say tonight, those Bateknesios, those Jews who are not in shul, but you're davening at home. And you say right before Shemona Esrei, tonight the Shemona Esrei of Yom Tov, all daven from the Machzor, because otherwise you're going to miss everything. Right before Shemona Esrei, many shuls say Vishamru. Those shuls that say Vishamru add an additional verse from Tilim, oh, from yesterday's Shir Sholyom, Tilim 81. Tiku Bachode Shofa. Blow the shofar. Says David HaMelech, that shofar blowing is a chok. It's a law without a reason. That's it. Hashem says, blow, we blow. Ah, mishpat leloke Yaakov. It's also a mishpat. It's a reason. What's the reason? My friends, look at the shofar differently. It's not a musical instrument. The shofar is a form of prayer. We don't eat matzah in the Shemona Esrei. We don't shake a lulav in the Shemona Esrei. The Sfardim that are listening, and those of you who daven, Nusach Sfard, Minog Sfard, in your private Shemona Esrei, when you are in Shul, if you're home alone, you don't blow in the Shemona Esrei. We blow, my friends, the first 30 sounds before Shemona Esrei. I'll come back and explain why 30 in a minute. The Sfardim, however, blow in the Shemona Esrei. They finish Malchios, they blow 10 times. They finish Sechronos 10 times. They finish Shofros 10 times. We, Ashkenazim, when we repeat the Shemona Esrei, 10 after Malchios, 10 after Zechronos, 10 after Shofros. So listen to what we're doing. In the middle of our prayer, we're blowing Shofar. Why? Because the Shofar is a prayer without words. What I can't express in my mouth, I express in my blowing. That's what Shofar is. The Torah calls it Yom Teruah. That's in the Maftir for both days from Parshas Pinchas. And the Targum translates Trua, Yom Trua as Yom Yabava, a day of crying. Why are we crying? We're crying because it's a day of judgment. Because God made man straight. 
and man messes up. Now listen carefully. In the Torah, the word trua appears three times. Twice in conjunction with Rosh Hashanah, and the third time in conjunction with the blowing of the shofar of Yovel, of Yom HaKippurim. Three times the Torah says trua in the seventh month. We blow three trua. Each trua we learn from the Chatzotzros in chapter 10 of Bamidbar. Each trua which is a cry sound, is preceded and followed by a tekiah, which is a straight sound. Now, since the Talmud tells us there are three possibilities as to what the trua is, we know it's a cry. Is it the sigh, ay, 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 which we call shvarim? Is it the wail, ay, 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 which we call the trua? Or is it a combination of both? And we blow all three. The first thing we blow is the combination. Tekiah, Shvarim, Trua, Tekiah. We blow three of them because we blow three Trua. That's 12 notes. Next three, Tekiah, Shvarim, Tekiah. The Tekiah and the sigh and the Tekiah. That's nine, 21. Nine more, Tekiah, Trua, Tekiah. If you're not in shul tomorrow. And listen to me very carefully. There are some people who are not to be in shul. Your doctors told you not to go. Listen to your doctor. Don't go. If you can go, go with chachma. Be properly distanced. Wear a mask. And if you, if you could be inside, fine. If you should be outside, fine. You will then hear 30 kolos before Shmona Esrei, 30 kolos with the Shmona Esrei, and 40 at the end, which the rabbi's Tosfos brings to remember Sisra's mother, the general, who she cried because he did not return. She cried a hundred times. And for that, we put the bout to Kia to the test that he has to blow 40 more. And the answer is yes. Rosh Hashanah, my friends, is not like Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot. Pesach is for the Jews. We left Egypt. Shavuos is for the Jews. We got the Torah. Sukkot is for the Jews. He sustained us in the desert. Rosh Hashanah is universal. Kol Olam. The entire world is judged on Rosh Hashanah. And those are the last 40 kolos. Now, the Shemona Esrei, the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, has the distinction of being the longest Musaf and Shemona Esrei of the year. What makes it so are the three sections. Malchios, we proclaim God as our king. Oh yeah, we prove it with three verses from the Torah, three verses from Tehillim, three verses from the prophets, and finally a tenth and final verse from the Torah. This pattern of stating the theme, Hashem is King, is substantiated, and there's a bracha. Then we go to Zechronos. God remembers. He judges all. Nine psukim, three, 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 a tenth pasuk, and the concluding blessing. Shofros, 
There was a shofar at Sinai. There'll be a shofar of Mashiach. God controls history and brings destiny to the world. That's the Musaf. Say it slowly. We didn't say Avinu Malkeinu as we said on the first day because it's Shabbos. But we say Avinu Malkeinu, my friends, on the second day. Say it slowly, the tenth of Vinu Malkeinu. Do you know what the tenth of Vinu Malkeinu is? Listen to these words. Of Vinu Malkeinu. Mina Magefa Minachalasecha. Hashem, withhold the plague from your heritage, from your people, the plague. My friends, all of us woke up the day after Purim, Shushan Purim. And what did we learn? A new word called pandemic. The entire world. When was it decreed that there would be a pandemic? Where was Eliyahu when we needed him? Who was there to tell us last year? Had anybody known last year when it was decided on Rosh Hashanah, when you say Unasana Tokev, both days of Rosh Hashanah, Berosh, what does that mean? Last year, Rosh Hashanah, it was inscribed. Last year, Yom Kippur, it was determined that there would be a pandemic. Had any of us known, how would we have davened? As lackadaisical as we did last year, we can't daven the same way this year. That Ovinu Malkinu, I can't tell shuls what to do. I'm not going to start a new minog to say we should say it out loud. But everybody should say it out loud by their seat. Everybody should say this one so slowly because we say so many of them. There are 41 other. Come on. Do I really take the time? Because after all, the chazan is going to start in a few moments with Haqzireinu. Come on. B'tshuva. Shlema lefanecha. And usually he gets there before I do. That's okay. Say it slowly. It's Rosh Hashanah. And finally, we don't go to Tashlech on the first day of Rosh Hashanah because it's Shabbos. We go this year on the second day. If you can't, you can't walk, it's too far. Whatever the reason, you can say Tashlech till Hoshana Rabbah. If you're saying Tashlech on second day Yom Tov, leave those crumbs at home. You mean well but you're not allowed to feed those animals, the fish, on Yom Tov. You can only feed those animals who depend upon you all year long. You have a dog or a pet, you have to feed the dog or pet before you eat. But animals such as the fish in the polluted Pisaic River, where I go to uh, uh, Seytashlich, they're not dependent on me throughout the year. If I want to feed them, do so after Rosh Hashanah, but not on Rosh Hashanah. Finally, this coming Monday, let's just be reminded, is Tzom Gedalia. We fast not because one Jew died. We would fast every day of the year. We fast because, as a result of his death, Jews were exiled from Israel. And when Jews are exiled, we fast, which is a good way for me to end, to remind ourselves, where is home for all of us? Let's not forget, we pray for ourselves, our family, 
our community, all of Israel, but especially for Eretz Yisrael. I take this opportunity to wish Nachum, his family, it should be a Shana Tova Umezuka. It should be a sweet year for everybody. And just as, unfortunately, we saw Hashem, Hashem Melech, Hashem Moloch, Hashem Yimloch, the Olam Ed, as we saw him so clearly in the Magefa, so we, may we be privileged to see him in this forthcoming year, not only taking away the Magefa, but showing us and the whole world that he is the one in charge, the one and only one. Shabbat Shalom, Shana Tova to all. JM in the AM, my thanks, of course, to Rabbi Yudin as we get set for the uh, year 5781. As we wish everybody a Ksiva Ksimatova, happy, healthy, and sweet new year. It is time to say good Shabbos and good Yom Tov and wish everyone well for the year 5781 at JM in the AM.
nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very, 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 very special our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web at alchemsingle.com and the alchemsingle network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Well, I remind everybody that Mark Zamek has curated an amazing Erev Rosh Hashanah, Erev Shabbos show that's going to air right now. Um, and again, uh, our Erev Shabbos music mix uh, which he is in charge of, uh, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, is going to go all day long in honor of Erev Rosh Hashanah. In addition, Kedem presents the final hour of the week, starting this week, where again, our expert Mark Zamek has paid careful attention about what should be heard and what people will enjoy and be inspired by an hour before Shabbos, or in this case, an hour before Rosh Hashanah. So as we always say, don't touch that dial until candlelighting time. No reason to. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful Yom Tov, and of course, happy, healthy, sweet New Year. Ksiva to all. To all of our wonderful listeners, supporters, sponsors, and all of our families. Let us have a wonderful year ahead. Till Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.